I am Daniel Lickies, and welcome to Geography 101. Geography 101 is all about the places that I visited from Europe, Caribbean, North America, South America, Asia, and a lot more. And today, I have my special guest. He's the author of several books, no other than Mr. Kieran West. Hey, Daniel, how you doing, man? I'm fabulous like you, Mr. Dylan, and welcome to Geography 101. Oh, well, thank you. It's a good place to be. Yes, and can you please introduce yourself more? Awesome. Okay, so I am the author of Scribes' Descent and Emulsipation. These are Christian-based young adult sci-fi and fantasy novels that take place in a completely un different universe. So unfortunately, all of our geography we're talking about today, the people in that universe don't know about it because they don't have Earth where they come from. <laughs> they have different, different planets with their own geography, and I get the privilege of mapping all that out for them. And wouldn't you know it, knowing our planet in an intimate fashion really helps with that. Other things that you should know about me, I was in the Navy as a nuclear operator back in 1999 to 2007. In 05, I went around the world on a, a cruise on the USS Carl Vinson. I was the load dispatcher on the carrier, which means that I ran the electrical distribution, the whole electric plant for the aircraft carrier. And when we went on that around the world tour, we got to stop in ports all over the world. And that's what I would like to share with you tonight. Yes. Which part of the globe where we get inspired? Okay. Well, um, I can start with an overview of the path that we took, and then we can dial into some of the points of interest, if you'd like. Definitely. Sounds interesting, Mr. Dillon. And let's go ahead. Okay. So it started in uh, the Washington State we were stationed in Bremerton, Washington. And for those who aren't familiar, that's really close to Seattle. And, um, it, you know, you've heard the movie Sleepless in Seattle, right? Yes. Um, that may not be true of the average person in Seattle. But let me tell you, if you were working as a sailor in the Navy in that area, you are probably sleepless because you're probably up standing watch and doing maintenance and pursuing <laughs> your your qualifications for whatever watch stations that you're trying to you know to to achieve on that ship or that submarine. So yes, we were very sleepless. I, I can attest to that. And uh, so we would normally do workups between the Seattle area, the Puget Sound, um, and we would go down the west coast. And then we would pick up an air wing down in San Diego. And we would, you know, make circles in the Pacific Ocean and go back to go back home to the Puget Sound. That's what we normally do. But, you know, it came a time where we needed to refuel our two onboard nuclear power plants. That's right. We didn't have just one power plant on the nuclear powered aircraft carrier. We had two of them. And so that means we had two nuclear reactors to refuel. Of course, we're talking about uranium-235 fuel rods. You know, after 20-something years of operating those, you got to replace them with new fuel rods. 
where, and you can't just go to a gas station, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You've got to go to a, um, a shipyard that is equipped to handle such a thing. And it just so happens that we did not have that in the shipyard we were at. We had to go around the world to where I live now, which is in Virginia. Specifically, we had to go to a shipyard in Nor Newport News, Virginia. And uh, so to get there, we chose to do an around the world tour, starting from the Puget Sound, crossing the Atlantic, uh, not the Atlantic, the Pacific. And um, once we got to the, the far Eastern Asia area, we stopped off first in Guam, and um, I've got some adventures to share with you there. Then we uh, went south and through the different islands in Indonesia, specifically through the Strait of Malacca, which runs between Malaysia and Indonesia. And we stopped off in Singapore there. That's another point of interest we'll talk a little bit about. Went up through the Bay of Bengal and through the Indian Ocean, sailed north into the Persian Gulf. And to get there, we had to go through the Strait of Hormuz. So we're talking about a major oil shipping lane. May cut circles in the Persian Gulf for, gosh, I think about three or four months in the middle of summer. Yes, that is as hot as you think <laughs> it is. And I will tell you more about that set of ports because we stopped at the United Arab Emirates twice. We stopped at Bahrain once during that. And um, then we came out of the Persian Gulf, back out through the Straits of Hormuz, down through the Gulf of Aden, up through the Strait of Bab el-Mandeb. I know I'm throwing a lot of probably unusual geography terms that our listeners may not be familiar with. But if you pull up a world map and you look at this, you will probably see all these things. But we go through the Strait of Bab el-Mandeb that goes up into the Red Sea. And I do mean the same Red Sea we all heard about in Sunday school where Moses yes. started it. And, you know, they went, they crossed on dry land. Like we got to sail across that body of water. So that was pretty awesome went up through the, um, the canal and out into the Mediterranean. And that's where we got to stop at an island called Rhodes, Greece, which is just off the coast of Turkey. That's probably my favorite port. And we'll probably camp out there a little bit and talk at length about that one. Yes. Just giving you the overview here. So we, after we stopped at Rhodes, Greece, then we kept proceeding west until we came out through the Strait of Gibraltar, which is between Spain and Morocco. And we came out through there into the Atlantic, swung north to Lisbon, Portugal, yes. for another port call before we crossed the Atlantic and came back to the U.S. in Virginia. So what a journey. <laughs> that is the, the overview Yes. So which country that we're going to talk about first? Well, um, we could go in order if you'd like. Yes, definitely. 
Okay, awesome. So like I said, the first port that we landed in is Guam. And so we're talking about beautiful tropical waters. If you've seen video or photos of Hawaii, Guam looks pretty much like that. Only Guam is a lot smaller. And so we have a Navy base there. So, um, you know, it, it's not a dangerous place to stop. There's lots of friendly people. You know, they, they speak English there. Um, and my friends in the reactor department knew people at a local church. And so I got, I got to go to, to a really great church right there in Guam. One of the things we did, one, one of my um, fellow Christians in, on my ship, on the Carl Vinson, he recently became a Christian and he asked me to baptize him. And so we didn't do it in a baptismal pool at a church. We went into the tropical waters right there on the beach of Guam. And I got to baptize him in that. Oh, wow. Amen. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. So that's the memorable uh, experience in Guam. So Guam is a... It is a territory, I believe. Uh, if we consider it a territory. Yep. Oh, okay. So uh, in the mainland... Do you have the same culture or the same influence by the Americans? Um, I, I saw quite a bit of influence, but of course there's, you know, they've got local culture there too. I, I can't speak as a, a really solid expert in Guam because we really only stayed there for about three or four days. There are other Navy personnel who've been stationed there for years and they, they would know way more than I would, right? But from, what, from the limited exposure I saw, you know, they, they were very friendly to the U.S. You know, they they liked the base that was there. You know, we nobody told us when we got off of the ship, hey, be careful. <laughs> like some of the ports. And, and some of the ports I'm going to share, you know, I'm going to talk about, yeah, that we had that talk, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you describe Guam, what is it? Oh, just tropical, beautiful, laid back, you know, and in in warm, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was decently warm. I will say that. Yes, yeah. warm. And it's a this small, is... it's a relatively small island. Yes, they think in the future, because of climate change, Guam will be disappear. Oh, you know what? That's a great question. I would have to look at a topographical map to see where the surface of Guam lies in relation to the um, sea level. I can't. Re I don't. I don't remember it be remember it being especially mountainous. I think that, uh, but I don't remember it being super super, you know, low either. Yes. In fact, I don't know that I could really speak to that kind of thing for most of my port calls, except for maybe one. I could maybe talk a little bit about um, in more in depth on roads grease, but the others, the others, not so much. So, in your book, is it? Do you have the same Guam? in your geography so <clears throat> while i don't have an island named guam i do have other tropical islands on the planet daishan which is where both scribes descent and emulsification take place oh sounds interesting is it the same climate the same aura of, of the island uh yes actually for the most part it is yeah that'd be awesome what will be our next stop now Mr. okay Glenn? so um then from guam we continued going westward 
in the Pacific Ocean until we passed the Philippines. And, you know, originally we were supposed to stop in Japan. Yes. But actually, we were also supposed to stop in Hawaii. But, you know, what kept us from going there? It still, it still irks me to this day. We had taken, we, had, we all had to take an anthrax shot. Oh. Because anthrax was still, you know, a pretty big threat back in, I think, 2005. Um, so we all had to take that shot. And as a result, they wouldn't let, at least this is the reason they gave us, right? (laughs) Then we, we weren't allowed to stop at Hawaii. We were all bummed. And then we also couldn't go to Japan, but we did stop at Singapore. And so for those who are unfamiliar, if you look at the Malay Peninsula that drops down like a really skinny, almost like a cattail dropping down, you know, from Southeast Asia. Um, That peninsula has Malaysia, but at the very tip of it, it's got a tiny country called Singapore. And so we got to stop there for another port call. And by the way, all these port calls, they generally lasted about four days. But if you were like me and you were in reactor department, you didn't get to go out for the entire four days. You really got to go out for maybe two or three of the days. Yes. Because somebody had to stay behind on the carrier to operate the nuclear power plant in the engine room, right? Because <laughs> we kept all that stuff running. <laughs> we didn't shut <laughs> everything down, right? We had we had to be ready to steam off, you know, if we had to uh, very quickly. So, um, yeah, so two or three days tops is you know, each one of these ports. So, yeah, we... Um, we stopped at uh, Singapore, and there was a lot of Chinese there. Yes. In fact, the, the Mandarin way to say Singapore is Xinjiapur. Yes. <laughs> and at that time, I was um, actively studying Mandarin Chinese. Uh, and so I got to go to a Chinese-speaking church there. I don't remember the name of it, but I, I do remember this. I think you'll you'll like this detail. So yes. at this point, I had been studying Chinese on my own with books and CDs. And um, and I think I went to a few Chinese churches back in the Seattle area for about a year or two. So I'd been really practicing it. So when we, we go to this Chinese church, they welcomed all of us Christians from the carrier. And I told them, hey, I, I speak some Chinese. And they had me come up and give testimony. And so for five minutes... I stood before the congregation and spoke and spoke in nothing but Mandarin Chinese. And they just erupted in applause. And uh, I was like, oh, well, Nali, Nali, which literally means where, where. But that's the way of saying, oh, thank you. Or, you know, like uh, <laughs> or it's the response to, oh, that's so awesome. Oh, not really. You know, <laughs> that's what that means. And so um, my when, when we got back to the ship. My other brothers who knew I'd been studying Chinese for all this time, they looked at me and they said, whoa, you know, we knew you were studying this stuff, but it wasn't real to us until we saw you do that. Yes. Now they, they saw me with flashcards. I would be standing in line for chow, you know, uh, you know, waiting for the galley with these Chinese flashcards. You know, they saw me doing that all the time and memorizing Bible verses in Chinese that I had written in a little notepad that I kept in my pocket. Always pull it out and and memory, you know, recite these verses in Chinese. Wow, is that awesome? <laughs> yeah, oh, and another thing you should know about all of these ports 
is before we even left the United States, I bought 2,000 gospel booklets, these little comic book formats, and they were all the very same, what we called a gospel tract. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but um, the brand of this was from Chick, JTC, and this one was called This Was Your Life. Okay. This, this was a really, it's still a very, very popular gospel booklet. Um, if you do a Google search, I'm sure you'll you'll see it you know, right yeah. away. And it's been translated in many languages. And so I got 10 different languages worth and like a uh, hundred or 200 copies of each of these. And I filled up a backpack and every port we went to, I handed out dozens of these to my Christian friends who came with me. And we handed out these booklets, you know, the language according to the, the port that we went to. And so in Singapore, I knew there was Chinese, so we handed out a bunch of English and a bunch of Chinese tracks. Yes. Even though, especially when we got to the Middle East, our captain expressly forbade us from doing this or from like proselytizing, you know, preaching. The gospel. <laughs> they didn't want you to go in and do this with the, the locals we did it, but we were very careful and very discreet about it. And uh, we didn't get in trouble and, you know, didn't cause a, a ruckus, you know. <laughs> so if you describe Singapore, what is it? Okay, so a lot of the other sailors ended up going to Buddhist temples. Like that was a big tourist attraction there. Um, but for me, I went to a church there and I just visited other places in town. I, I didn't do heavy sightseeing and tried to go off to Buddhist temples and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, there was also kind of limited time. You only had about two days, maybe three. And there was this lingering fear that you had to get back to the ship before it pulled out of port. You did not want to be the one guy that everybody else was waiting on. <laughs> right, because there are 5,000 people on this carrier. Yes. And they all need to leave there on time. <laughs> you will get in trouble with the captain and the executive <laughs> officer. <laughs> if you're the darn guy, right? Yes. Um, and you might even get left. I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened. I probably <laughs> asked some of my friends. Uh, I just know I didn't. I never came back late because I was terrified of doing so, you know. <laughs> be punctual at that time. Yes. <laughs> so the so, next port yes after that we went northeast through uh, northwest through the strait of malacca so that is between uh the island of i think that's sumatra the the really big island of indonesia that and malaysia up through the bay of bengal and we swept past india oh we i wanted to go to india but you know we that just wasn't on the itinerary right mm -hmm. and, but we went up through the strait of hormuz which lies between oman and iran and into the persian gulf at least that's the term most people know it as but i think in recent times it's been renamed to the northern arabian sea Oh, yeah. but nobody really calls it that. Everybody knows it still as the Persian Gulf. So that's what I'll refer to it as. Now, um, there were several ports that we stopped at here. One of them we stopped at twice. Okay, so we stopped at Bahrain once. So you're probably familiar with the name Bahrain, right? 
Yes. It is part of, or it's uh, right up, snugged up against the Saudi Arabia. But the difference, there's a, a crucial difference. It's not technically Saudi Arabia. It's just neighboring it, right? It, ha yes. it has a different government. And that's, that's important because we were not allowed to leave Bahrain into Saudi Arabia. We were strictly told, do not try to do that, right? Because the Bahrain government was friendly toward us and, you know, that, they allowed our carrier to to stop at their port, but yes. we were not welcomed in Saudi Arabia, at least at that time. I don't know if that's changed since then. What can you say about Bahrain? Okay, for first of all, I had been starting to study Arabic on the trip over there. Yes, and I think a little bit before we, we went on deployment because I knew, like, okay, I want to be able to practice a little bit of Arabic when we get there. So I think I'd been practicing for about a year at this point. And so mm -hmm. we got to Bahrain and I looked it up. Bahrain comes from the Arabic word Bahar. And Bahar means sea. Now in Arabic, there's this very interesting grammatical thing they do called a dual. That's a D-U-A-L or two like pairs. And so you know how like in English we have the concept of a plural where you say one hand, two hands, and but, you know, one door, two doors. So we stick an S on the end of a word, and that makes it plural, right? And in some cases, we have an irregular. Sometimes we'll say, like, one woman, two women, right? So it's not, you don't always stick an S on the end. In, in Arabic, you have the same concept of plural, but you also have a separate ending for a pair of something. So, for instance, you wouldn't say... Um, Bahr, um, for two C's, you would say Bahrain. The Ain ending means two. Yes. So because Bahrain is between two C's, I, I guess that's the idea. That's why they named it that. Sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh. and we handed out gospel booklets in Arabic there. And um, I don't remember a ton about that port because the other port we went to nearby stands out a lot more br uh, brightly in my mind. And that was the UAE, the United Arab Emirates. And now the term emirate means like a princedom. So that, that's probably the best um, translation I can give you. So the UAE, it's like seven different almost like states that are united, kind of like the United States has 50 that are joined together, right? Yes. We stopped in Jebel Ali, which I think translates to high mountain. Um, and that's really close to Dubai. And so we stopped in Dubai before the Burj Khalifa was built. Are you familiar with the Burj Khalifa? Yes. Yes, yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, we did. This was in 2005, and I don't think the Burj Khalifa was built until a few years later. Um, I'd have to look it up. Uh, but they did have they were building the indoor snow skiing resort, although they didn't have it finished. So I think we were talking about it. And we we're like, oh, man, we barely missed it because I think they finished that later that year or something. Yes. So yeah, yeah. it, it sounds if, if that sounds wild to you that you could go snow skiing in the Middle East, that's what they were doing. They built an indoor snow resort there. Oh that's yes, amazing. very hot, and we were there in the middle of summer. So um, yeah, I still remembered 
leaving the ship and just roasting, you know. Um, and there's there's something else too. There's the sand. When we were even when we were in the middle of the Persian Gulf, which we were like dozens of miles from shore, you would think that you wouldn't have sand everywhere. Oh no. Even 20, 30, 40 miles from land, that sand gets entrained in the prevailing winds and it will just fly through the air for miles and miles and miles off the coast and it'll just go all over the atmosphere including into the duct works the the air intakes of the ship and that sand would end up in our engine rooms and it would oh. end up on our bunks so i want you to imagine with me waking up in the morning in this tiny coffin bunk this uh tiny bunk bed that you you know you sleep in on the ship and you've got this wool blanket, and when you lift that blanket, up comes a big layer of sand. You have to knock all the sand off of you before you can even get out of bed. And oh if, you, if you forgot to turn your boots sideways or downwards, then you've got to knock the sand that collected out of your boots overnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I'm not talking about like bucket loads, maybe a, a thin layer of it. Now, we did try to cover all of our vent ducts in cheesecloth, this thin kind of filmy substance to uh, keep the sand out of our, uh, you know, our electrical gear and all these things. But, you know, sometimes it's, it's still found a way through. Man, I spent that whole summer cleaning sand out of everywhere on the ship. It was pretty crazy. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, UAE, Dubai, it was pretty awesome. And the thing that made it really awesome was the church that was there. This is a recurring theme. You're, you're going to see that a lot here. Um, there was a really awesome church, and it spoke many languages because the UAE is this, well, you know, we throw around the term boiling pot about America of the yes. different cultures and languages. Well, that's very true in the UAE in this condensed small area and so there was like and they had separate there was this big building for the church and they had like i think at least a dozen different church services for people of different ethnicities and languages like okay. they had a chinese service and they had an english one they had like one that they spoke just arabic and and all that and i think i went to the american speak the english speaking one because there were people i i wanted to meet there but um i remembered somebody at the church inviting me and our friends to go sandboarding with them. Oh, wow. You know what I mean by sandboarding? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, you normally you go out sn um, snowboarding, right? On a, a, a snowy hill. Well, here they don't have snow outside, you know, unless you went to the indoor snow skiing slope, right? But uh, you go out to the dunes. And first of all, we got into these dune buggies, and I still remember when we were pulling off of the, the, the dirt road to go up on the actual dunes, the very first thing we did was let out some of our air pressure from all the tires. Not We didn't flatten them, but just let out a little bit to raise the surface area of the tires to get better traction. And then we, boomed, we, we uh, dune buggied across... I think about 10, 10 or 20 solid miles of dunes at like 40 miles per hour. 
and we were getting air. I mean, we weren't like going real slow and casual. We were cruising. I remember just boosting off the ends of these, these dudes, you know, and, and flying for at least, you know, five, 10, 15 feet in the air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. I have no idea how these people knew where they were going, but they had the spot that they always went to. And um, when we got there, we got to do some sandboarding in the evening and even at night. And uh, I still remember just going down this 40 foot tall dune on a sandboard. And, uh, and I think I did okay. I didn't like crash and hurt myself or anything, but it, you know, it, it was a different experience. Let me tell you. Um, yeah. And that was, that was a lot of fun. I'll never forget that. And um, also got to hand out a lot of gospel booklets in the local malls. I still remember this family and i think that they're all you know bundled up you know with the head head scarves and the burkas and all that or at least the females were if i remember correctly um and there was this little kid i think about four years old might have been two or three of them that i handed this this gospel booklet now you got to know these booklets they're really cute art really great comics and so and it was in arabic so they could understand it i handed it to to these kids and uh, and their parents were right there. I handed them a copy too. And when the, the kids, they were, they were really into it. And the parents, when they saw that it was Christian based, they didn't yell at me or anything, but they didn't want their kids reading it. And I still remember the look on the kids' faces when the parents were pulling it, prying those booklets from their hands. Wow. Right in front of us. And I was just like, wow. Oh, that's, Awesome. Uh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not good, but I hope that these kids remember this and they, they seek out more about the gospel of Jesus later, you know, definitely that this, this memory tells them, Hey, there's, there's something out there that you should look into. Right. That's my prayer for them. <laughs> yes, definitely. So uh, Mr. Dylan, what is your uh, religion? I'm curious about. Oh, it. okay. So I'm a Christian. Right. And um, as far as denomination, I, I grew up Southern Baptist, but then I started going to um, non-denominational churches. And I, I've been to Pentecostal churches, you know, where it's very charismatic and you speaking in tongues and that kind of thing. No snake charming, though. None of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. and, and I've gone to Chinese churches and what, those really those are, um, you know, the same kind of churches that you're used to. I think some of them were Presbyterian, some of them were Baptist, you know, some of them were non-denominational, but they they spoke nothing but Chinese and we sang hymns in Chinese. So that oh. that really helped me to become reasonably proficient in the language. And for any listeners out there who are trying to learn a foreign language right now, if the language you're trying to learn has a a church that speaks that language near you, I can't recommend enough going to that church to immerse yourself in that language. Yes, because the more you use the language, the more you become fluent. That is right. It'll motivate you because then you're meeting people and making friends and you want to talk to them. Right? Yes. And so it'll, it'll push you. Yes. So before we go on, Mr. Dylan, to your next stop. Uh, I want to shout out to the people listening to my top 10 countries. I have 75 countries listening to me, and I want to shout Ooh. out my top 10 
Of course, United States at number one, Canada at number two, United Kingdom at number three, Australia at number four, India at number five. Namaste, India. France at number six, Messi Buku, and Ecuador at number seven, number eight, Germany, Duncan, Germany, and number nine, Ireland, and number 10, New Zealand. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is empower different countries in the world. Okay, Mr. Dylan, what is our next stop? Okay, so <clears throat> when before we left the Persian Gulf and that whole area, the captain decided to do a swim call. So we had anchored off the coast somewhere in the Persian Gulf for everybody who wanted to to jump. Uh, well, not jump off the top of the carrier because that's a long fall, <laughs> but you could um, be guided down and I think off the fantail, which is the the rear, the aft of the ship, and go swimming. Now, here's yes. the thing. They warned us that there are sea snakes in the Persian oh. Gulf. So guess what I did not do? I did mm. not go swimming. <laughs> I, was, I was not about the sea snakes. Now, of course, you know, if you're swimming on the surface, you know, out there in the middle, you're probably okay. But I was still like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not my type. Was <laughs> that? Uh, so then, you know, when we were done with a swim call, then we, we came, swept around the, uh, the, I guess I, I think of it as, as a boot. If you're looking at a map, you, know, you got Saudi Arabia, you got Oman, UAE, Yemen, all that. It kind of looks like a boot, but facing the other way from Italy, right? Like the boot of Italy faces Southwest. The, what I consider to be kind of the boot of the Arabian Peninsula looks like it's facing Northeast. Anyways, I know yes. on a podcast with audio, it's kind of hard to visualize it. Yes. But, so we, we circled around that, went through the Gulf of Aden, which has got, you know, Somalia. It's like the Horn of Africa. It points in the same direction as that boot of um, Saudi Arabia. Yes. Go through there, go up through the Strait of uh, Bab el-Mandeb, which actually, Bab is Arabic for door or gate in Mandeb, means lamentation or um, suffering. So we went through the the door of suffering or sorrow <laughs> because uh, and they call it that because I think there were a lot of shipwrecks in that area, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, we went through that and then we go through the Strait of Baba Mandeb into the Red Sea. Now, the, the cool memory here is, you know, we're on a carrier, which is massive, right? Yes. So you're, you're standing on top of the flight deck we don't have any jets operating you know landing and taking off at this point we're just sailing down the the red sea going when i say down i really mean going north and um we have we, you can see egypt on the left and saudi arabia on the right well on the west and east and yes. When you're standing there looking to either side, you do not see the Red Sea. You, you only see sand. Yeah. Because the ship, the you know, it's cut the the contour of the ship is blocking your view of the water. Oh, so, you, okay. so it's like you're crossing through a desert. 
<laughs> except that you see water ahead of you and water behind you, right? So hopefully that helps you visualize it. But that was a really interesting experience for me. Um, and then we went up through the Suez Canal, which is how you get from the Red Sea up into the Mediterranean Sea. Colossus of Rhodes. Oh, right? yes. So it's like yes. A, it's a statue, much like the Statue of Liberty, uh, only its feet were standing on two islands that spanned a good chunk of the harbor. Oh, yes, yes. And so now that island is not there anymore. Oh, man, I wished it were because that would have been awesome. You know, we would have definitely gotten a lot of photos of that. But uh, and I'm sure some of us probably would have tried to climb the legs. <laughs> but <Yes>. but <laughs> um, we, we did sail into the harbor and the tour guide or whoever it was was pointing out um, you know, those two islands there, see, and they were like really, really far apart. And he was like, that's where we believe the legs were or the feet. And I was just looking at these two islands and thinking, there's no way, because they were really far apart. You know, we were all kind of scratching our heads, like a statue that could span. That was like a mile or two apart. We're like, no way. There's no way they made a statue. <laughs> 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 I'm thinking they don't, I'm thinking they don't know where that, those two islands really were. <laughs> yes. I think. I think it's a part of Greece, if I'm not mistaken. Rhodes. Yes, yes. Rhodes is one of the islands of Greece. But this island is closer to mainland Turkey. So if you're looking at an island of Turkey, it would kind of be at the southwest corner of mainland Turkey, but off, off of the coast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And Rhodes was my favorite port as far as uh being a tourist because it was gorgeous and let me tell you like the reasons why all right so this island we went it's very mountainous and we went up to the top of one of the mountains that overlooked the i think it was the the north west or northeast um end of the island and standing at the top of this mountain, you got a vista of the, the ocean in three directions. You could see it uh, north, you could see it on the east, and you could see it on the west. So you could get some ma really massive panoramic uh, photos up there. And the thing that stands out in my memory are these trees that flowered with, I think it's pink blossoms. I don't think it was like cherry blossoms like we have in the Washington DC area, um, but, uh, but I don't think too far from it. I just remembered those beautiful pink blossoms at, at the time of year that we were there, um, which I think was in the middle of the summer, if memory serves. Oh, where the flowers blooming. Yes, these these flowering trees, man, were everywhere. It was just gorgeous. Um, and I also <laughs> I also heard from the other sailors that there were topless beaches there. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't go to any of those. <laughs> but the yes. women were very beautiful. I will say that. We went to a local church there. Um, I had been studying a little bit of Greek, not a whole lot. So I could only say the basics like if I stole for thank you, you know, things yes. like that. And I started studying my, my Greek after that. You know, I was like, all right, <laughs> if I ever go back to Greece, yes. I want to really be able to speak it. So, Yes, um, definitely. You given a chance, you, which part of uh, places that you want to go back? 
I should have known you were going to ask me a, a really good <laughs> question. Well, you, you ask a lot of good questions, Daniel. I, I got I to be prepared for these podcasts, man. Um, let's see. Oh, man. This is like asking somebody who which one of your kids is your favorite, you know? <laughs> Not that these sports are my kids or anything, but shoot. Um, gosh, it's... It's really hard to say because every one of these ports, I really only got two or three days in. And really, I would like to spend more time in all of them. I know that's the cheap way out of answering the question, but um, maybe Rhodes would be one of them just because now I know a lot more Greek and I'd love to speak it with them. And I love Mediterranean food. Um, but there's believers back in the UAE I would like to to see again. Well, now like the kids were are probably grown, <laughs> but by this time, because um, that was almost what 18 years ago, 20. Yes. 19 years ago. But yeah, it, it really is hard to pick any any one place. We continue next week. Your journey to the world. So let's talk about your books, Mr. Dylan. And what are they? Okay, so the the flagship of my series, if you will, is called Scribes Descent. So if you go to my website, you will get a free sample of it. My website is dylanwestauthor.com. And I'm sure, Daniel, you'll be providing links to these things uh, for our listeners. Yes, definitely. All right. So if you go to dylanwestauthor.com, there is a link at the top called books and you will see uh, several of them. You'll see Scribes Descent. If you click on that link, there is a sample page, the first four chapters of the book for free. I wanted everybody to get a really big sampling of my writing style and the story before they, you know, went off to Amazon to, to, to buy the, the actual book. Or if they're local to Hampton Roads, Virginia, they could find me at some local event and buy a signed copy directly from me at my table. So the, the book Scribes Descent, it's the first of five in a series, the Scribe series. And <clears throat> this takes place in a completely different universe. The first book, um, just to give you the, the snapshot view, it takes place on a planet that has never had an earthquake until one day it has a big one. So the military sends a team of explorers down a deep mine to find the cause of the quake. And of course, when they get down there, they find a lot more than that. So that is book one. And book two should be coming out next month, probably late June. So that reminds me, if the listeners want to get regular updates about Scribe's Descent and its following books then sign up for my newsletter. If you go to dylanwestauthor.com, you can't miss it. There's a big sign up form at the bottom of the page and there's a link at the top. When you sign up, this is just a monthly newsletter. So you're not going to be flooded with, with emails, just one a month. And in it, I promise to give you two things. One is updates about the books and about the video game. More on that in a minute. <clears throat> but I also give out the geekiest science research tidbits that go into the making of my books. So if you're a science lover my, like me, you're probably going to want to sign up for this just for the sheer geekiness of the content. Yes. So um, 
So sign up for the newsletter, check out the, the sample. If you like it, you can buy the book on Amazon. And there's three formats. There is paperback, hardcover, and Kindle. I don't have any audio formats at this point. Maybe in a, a year or two, I might pony up the money to hire you know, uh, some company to produce it professionally. And of course, I will be letting you guys know uh, when that happens. But uh, but that that's a little bit of an investment, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wait a little bit on that one. Yes. But for those listeners who do want to hear it spoken to you, I there is a way to do it. If you get the Kindle version and you have an older Kindle with the text to speech feature, or if you have a new Kindle um, with the accessibility options, you can have your device read the book aloud to you. I do that with all my Kindle books, um, and if you don't have a Kindle and you just open the book in the Kindle app on your laptop or even the Kindle app on, on a mobile phone, you can use the screen reader built into those devices. So there is a way to listen to the book, even if it's, you know, uh, a little bit of a, a computerized voice that's doing the talking. Yes, definitely. If you are interested to listen to our episode with Mr. Dylan West, Book 101 Review, we talk about how he crafted all the books. Right, Mr. Dylan? Absolutely. We go into a lot more detail about all these books in that podcast. So if you're interested, definitely check out those other episodes. And I, I believe you'll probably supply links to those too, right, Daniel? Yes, definitely. So uh, next week, we're going to continue the journey of Mr. Dylan that, let's say, one-of-a-kind journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, you know, there are other sailors that do deployments, but mm, they don't usually go the way mine do. I, I have uh, some interesting little shenanigans that happen. So, yeah. <laughs> it's something else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something to be proud of because it's bear fruit. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. The Lord is good for sure. Yes, definitely. So, Mr. Dylan, catch you next week. Sounds awesome. I'll be here. So, Mr. Dylan, thank you for your time. Oh, well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on here with you, Daniel. Yes. And please buy all the books of Mr. Dylan because it's one of a kind. Oh, and try the game. I forgot to mention on this oh. one. Oh, yes. Please try the game. Because yeah, so they... if you go to DylanWestAuthor.com, you'll see a video game link. And on that page, there is a link to the demo. It's a short, it's like a 15-minute demo. And that is what inspired me to write the book. I wrote the book based on that game. You get to try the game for yourself at home in your web browser. All you need is a keyboard and mouse. Or better yet, if you have a USB controller, plug that in. And have a go. Yes, people. I will provide the link. Oh, yeah. And if you review Scribes Descent the Book on Amazon or other similar platforms, I will put your name into my video game as collectible items. Uh, and you're going to see those names. You'll see those. If you play my demo, you'll see 13 of them already in there. Oh, that'd be awesome. So let's play, people. And Morgan people, see you soon. All right, bye guys.